Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 170. In this episode, we talk about pop-up forms, emails for sales teams, and interns doing your social. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and features for growing your marketing and sales results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, look, I'm good, Ian, and I'm right across the socials, I've got to tell you. I'm sure you are, Craig. <laughs> the socials. Seriously, we can't escape that, can we? We can't. You know, I've got a bit of a bugbear about this. Yes, we like, know you when do. when people say, oh, we share it on social, I'm okay with that. They say, I share it on the socials. And you know what's interesting? More and more I'm finding people I talk to in businesses, especially in marketing, are actually referring to social media as the socials. So, there yeah, you go. I, I can't escape it, so I've got to embrace it. So, regular listeners will know I had a big whinge about this, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago because I just couldn't embrace change, you know. A change. I just can't handle it. You just it. need to hug it, Craig. I need to hug it. All my clients is calling it the socials now, so I've got to adapt. But look, all the interns are across the socials. We'll be covering that in shot six. All right, so on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig, and this is to do with pop-up forms. Now, you know we've spoken about pop-up forms. Well, lead forms, we just love them. Remember, how many episodes do we have talking about lead flows? Quite a few. Actually, they weren't called lead forms, they were lead flows, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah, and no one knew what that meant, so... And now they become a pop-up form. Hence why we had so many episodes talking about how awesome they were. So, they're called pop-up forms now, but that in itself is problematic in a way because no one likes pop-up forms. Well, I don't think anyone likes... Do you like pop-up forms, Ian? If it provides me value on the page that I'm at, well, possibly. If it's done in an inboundy way, right? Correct. Yeah, well, anyway, the reason we're mentioning it is because, well, the forms are awesome. I like the slide-in, so I personally don't like pop-up forms. That's just my particular bias, and I'm imposing that on everyone else. I assume that if I don't like it, everyone else doesn't like it, but... The stats would show that I'm wrong. And we've got a blog post. Actually, we've got two blog posts from HubSpot talking about forms. One is just a bit of an overview of pop-up forms in HubSpot, but it links off to another one we've put in the show notes where they actually talk about an analysis of the results from pop-up forms, and they do really well. So I guess it's always that balance between what we think is a bad user experience versus what the actual results are, test and measure. Like a lot of ways, if I think... When HubSpot have implemented this, I use the slide-in form often. And on the rare occasion, I use the exit intent pop-up form, which is which is fine. One thing that really annoys me with pop-up forms, and these are not HubSpot ones, but if I go to sites and I land there, and then within like two seconds, I've got a form and I haven't even actually read the page that I'm on. That really annoys me. Think about what you're doing and what the customer experience is because if you've been there for a while and you're exiting, that's fine. But if you've just landed there within like two seconds and the first thing you agree with is a pop-up form to sign up for a discount or, you know, sign up to the newsletter, like just get rid of it. I agree. And you know what? It's easy to test that because with the pop-up form, what you could do is you could test for a couple of weeks, then change the pop-up duration, like how long the delay is before it pops up. Only change that in the form, test that for another couple of weeks, then change it again, make it longer before it pops up. You could also check how far, whether they have to scroll down, things like that. So you could actually test it just to see the results change. 
However, the thing that I wanted to highlight in the show today is just some of the thank you options that you have. I know. These seem to have expanded since we last looked at this. Yeah, they're really good. Has that calendar event one been there for ages? And I just no, haven't it hasn't. realized. Oh, okay. I, because I've been setting up these for a customer and I haven't seen it. So, this even may not be available. It might actually not even show if you haven't got any calendar set up. To actually choose. I don't think so. It's not It's not the meeting link. It's, so, it's not actually tied to your own calculator. Uh, calculator. Calendar. <laughs> it's actually, you're actually adding a calendar event for them. So, they can go through the form, fill it out. Oh. So, for example, you might say, sign up to, um, would you like to attend our, uh, you know, a call on or uh, an event that we're running? They go, yes. And then the thank you is just basically a calendar event that gets added either as an ICS or to their Google Calendar uh, oh. directly. Yeah. So, it's not like booking a meeting in with you, okay. which is also another option, which is good. So, you can have a meeting link in there. So, yeah, wow. it's it's kind of nice. I tested it this afternoon. So, it works really Craig, well. what is this event that you're having? Well, I just made a dummy event about our um, Hubshots Live event where we get a whole bunch of people to join us for a, a one-hour call and we go through a whole bunch of HubSpot-related questions, perhaps gotchas, and help people out. So, just as Craig is saying this is a dummy event, uh, Craig, I reckon we should actually have a live event where we actually do this. Hubshots Live. Hubshots Live. There you go. And then, if you're in Sydney, maybe we can do a dinner with the two of us. There you go. There you go. Put Craig uh, on the spot here. We'll we'll crowdsource this one. Uh, So, listeners, if that's of value, if that would provide value, get to spend some time with us and we'd love to spend some time with you chatting through problems that you've got in HubSpot or questions or even ideas. Give you suggestions. Teach us something. I'd love to learn. Exactly. Or even some of the great things that you're doing and you've implemented in HubSpot. I'm always fascinated to see what people do with HubSpot and the tools. I'm going to shout out to Justin. Because he often does some pretty interesting things. He kind of goes the extra, doesn't he? He does. Okay, Craig, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. Now, why I want to talk about this is, and I'm going to title this, automating sales emails from marketing. One thing that we have done quite a bit when we worked with sales teams is having update emails or news emails that sales teams can send about product or their services And often they get stuck and they're like, oh, I don't want to email like 40 people that I know about this same thing. And I'm like, no, you don't have to do it. Let us do it for you. And it can go from, we can make it look like you've sent the email and this will apply to the whole sales team. Say if Craig, I'm your contact owner, you will get an email from me. If say Brian's contact owner is Bill, then Brian will get an email from Bill. So like, oh, okay, cool. So, it's a really good way, A, to keep engaged with people. B, if they reply, it goes back to the person in sales who actually owns that contact, which is really good. You really quickly know if contacts have moved because a lot of the sales teams we deal with, they deal with the government councils and people move around. So, that might not be valid now. So, that actually gives them an opportunity to actually call up and actually find out who the new person is. Or they often get an auto reply saying, I'm not in this role anymore. You need to talk to Bill so-and-so. And so you can update your information, right? And the third one is you just have this constant communication and you keep your database clean. So, you know, there's a, what is that number that it's called? Wasn't it in the billions that, are you talking about the effect of dirty No, the attrition. The yearly, oh, the churn rate, the ch- so yeah, around, it's, around yeah, between 20 and 30% Correct. annually, yeah. 
apps, uh, this kind of keeps that in check and keeps your database clean. So I'd encourage you, and, and one of the things we do following this is if anything has bounced, is actually have, we create a list actually of all the bounced emails and we assign that list to that salesperson to actually follow up. So you can create tasks, which I've actually, we've done in some instances, if it's a larger list, I generally export it. I still create a list, but I export it out of HubSpot and I send it to the person to just have a quick check and then make those updates in HubSpot instead of clogging their task queue with um, like say 80 bounced emails with 80 tasks about checking a contact. So that's what I wanted to highlight and it's a great way to keeping people engaged. So the one I just wanted to pick up on that you mentioned there that listeners might have, it might have just slipped through without them being alerted to it. So yeah, sure, there's the personalization of who it comes from, but I really like that idea of who the reply goes to. So we've all seen this in marketing situations where it goes out from marketing at domain.com and then the reply comes back and the marketer has to go, oh, well, that's uh, that's from this person in sales. I'll forward it on to them kind of thing. And just having this contact owner and the reply going back to them is really good. However, the other thing to mention is there is a reply to address which can be different. Yes. So this is also the case if you do send out from actually the contacts and there's a huge amount of, say, out of office and all those kind of things, you can get them to go back to a different reply to address, which could be maybe a junior on the sales team whose job it is to go through all of those and just check if there's anything important. Yeah, so that's a great thing. Another thing I failed to mention, Craig, is you can use smart content in the email based on particular people in a list, for example. And you can change that in the email so you can personalize that to that person based on that segmentation or that smart list. I think smart content is a really good addition to that. So you're actually getting this email. You know what You know what the goal is? The goal is always to be sending those emails that Amazon send, right? Correct. That's kind of like the gold standard. Whenever I get an email from Amazon, it's like so tailored to me. It's exactly what I want. All you got to do is press the button and yeah, buy Yeah, that's Craig. right. Press the buy button. So everyone's goal is to get their marketing emails as good as the Amazon emails. That's kind of the gold standard. This is kind of just part of the tool, Chess, that kind of gets us along the, along the path. Yeah. And if you're in marketing, this is a fantastic way to actually build relationship with sales and help them along while adding to your benefits of actually seeing how they're interacting with the business. And also back in episode 164, we actually chatted about some other ways to automate using HubSpot to benefit the sales team. So go and check that out as well. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot gotcha of the week. What is kind of strange about our HubSpot gotcha of the week this week, Ian? Well, we haven't got one, Craig. I was racking my brains. What could I possibly <laughs> so find? I. What, what, what is in HubSpot that's, you know, annoyed me this week? There was nothing. So, you know, it's you a good week. You just must be doing good work, Craig. Well, HubSpot, yeah. <laughs> good job, HubSpot. And a shout out to HubSpot support. Okay, um, marking tip of the week, Craig. Again, this is following back through from marketing to sales. I want to highlight this is about having a regular process to monitor and check your lead quality. So we do this with customers on a weekly basis for the high volume accounts, should I say. And one thing I found, we've integrated the call tracking into HubSpot so we can actually see when calls come in, they get logged into HubSpot and we can actually listen to the calls and see what's going on. So what's interesting, we, we run a lot of paid advertising on, on the socials and on, on Google Ads. And what's interesting to see is as, as these calls are coming in, there was a point when I was looking into this account and we just listened to calls 
pure first purely for lead quality to understand how what people are asking, whether we're not answering any questions. But secondly, how qualified are these people and what sort of uh, can we make the qualification better with our ads and the landing page, et cetera? And what I discover, all these calls were coming in because they were saying, oh, the leads are really bad. We're not getting anything. And I'm like, hang on, there is stuff coming in. Listen to the calls. So I see all of these things going into HubSpot. Listen to the calls. You get the welcome message. Okay, that's good. Then you'll get the whole music. And then the call goes nowhere. And it just says, yeah, thanks for calling. No one could answer your call. Hang up. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So they're Uh, spending a fortune on paid on the socials. They're sending all this traffic. They're getting calls. And, and then no they're just not answering, them. answering the calls. Yeah, well, those leads are really bad. Obviously, there's it's a problem terrible. with the marketing. There is oh, a- man, that drives me nuts when that happened. What next? What happened as a result of that? Well, I've been chasing the IT company to fix the call routing, right? Oh, there's a call. <laughs> just put them on hold for a couple of minutes. Give them the great experience and then complain if they hang up. Exactly. Yeah, and they don't stick around. Oh, low quality, low so quality there call there. Here's a perfect example. I just wanted to highlight, make sure, even if you're in marketing, this is what I do. I do a random check every week of certain leads from certain lead sources and just make sure that we're actually hitting the mark, we're missing the mark. So, you know very quickly that things are getting mixed and you can highlight that to the business because they might not be aware of some issues that are actually taking place. And I think if you can do that and stay on top of it, you get a much better result. You know what, this just reminded me, that this need for testing and checking. I wish, yeah. uh, I'll give you an example of something I stuffed up recently. But it's so important to be checking these things. So, you're, you're always running new campaigns, right? But then someone hasn't done the kind of the mystery shopping at the end to check that it's actually still getting a good service. It's one of those money drive traffic. Anyway, I'll give you an example, not related to paid or anything, but I have a link to our, our website in my email signature, yes. right? Which is pretty normal. Now, the way I set it up, years ago, probably years ago now, is it basically goes to zenxen.com.au slash I, right? It was the smallest letter I could see. And all that does, because it's in my signature as the link, not in the actual, you don't actually see it, is that when it gets to the site, it redirects it and it puts some UTM parameters on so that I could tell it came from an email signature, right? This is pretty standard stuff, right? Anyway, that I, that slash I, all it does is a redirect to the main page with the UTM parameters. You can see where I'm going here, right? <laughs> anyway, I was just checking the, um, by chance, clicking the link in my signature today, and it goes to slash I, which returns a 404. And I was like, what? Anyway, that's when I remembered, you know, when I moved all our sites over from shared hosting to a dedicated server, whatever that redirects file. So I had it in the root of the the server. Of the server, yes. Yeah, somehow that got missed. So a whole bunch of redirects didn't get brought over. So then my email signature link, it has not been working for months, Ian. Months. Can you believe that? I don't know how many people click on it in my signature. (laughs) Well, none none that I can measure in the last couple of months, but it used to get a few clicks. I'm just like, what a bad impression they must get. My email signature doesn't even work. If you go to the HubSpot sales tool, you could probably figure something out whether they've clicked a certain link, right? Well, I can tell before it stopped because I used to track it with UTM parameters. So, I used to see how many people were clicking through and there'd be at least a couple of weeks, you know, they'd click through. Anyway, they've all been getting a, a bad experience lately. Well, you don't exist, Craig. Don't exist. So, there you go. So, there's a simple example of, of just something related to a server change with hosting. I didn't think to test it. I don't know how I would have caught it in hindsight, other than, I don't know, if some, a 
I mean, how many people have a process to test the links in their email signature? No. Oh, because we've had this before. I've actually clicked on people from HubSpot. They send yes. me their email signature doesn't work. And then I let them know, of course. Well, no one's let me know, but I found out the hard way. Well, there you go. So, one of my own stuff-ups. Easy to do. Got to test. Got to keep checking. Exactly. Keep a link register. <laughs> All right, Craig, on to the inside of the week. Thinking about engagement on the socials. Yes, on the socials. Thank you. So, I'll just tell you a little story. So, we are on a client site yesterday and this client, that we've worked with them for many years, they've just been acquired. And so, there's a big all-staff meeting and it's being announced. They've been acquired by an ASX-listed company. So, everything's got to be... I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when those kind of things, announcements go out to the market, there's a very standard or very clear process you need to do in terms of alerting the market. Anyway, so we had blog posts lined up and the client had prepared this. And as part of that, there's a whole social announcement that goes out because there's a number of things that you need to contain all at once. For starters, there's staff because 90% of the staff of both companies, the one being acquired and that being acquired, don't know. It's all done at leadership team level. Second, there's the market because it could, in fact, you know, impact share prices and things like that. And then there's three just about clients finding out as well so that you don't want them hearing from someone else and then they go to the website and there's no one else. So there's a whole lot of things that need to be coordinated. Why am I telling you all this? Well, part of that is the social piece, sharing on social. So what happens is the marketing, I was working there with the marketing manager and the, and the marketing team. And so as the announcement went out and the, the CEO of this company was making his announcement to the staff, we are at the same time announcing that blog post goes live and we're announcing it on social. So it all has to go out on the social channels at the same time. A lot of that has to be done manually because you can't kind of pre-schedule linking to blog posts because it pre-fills, you know, the, the kind of the image and, and uh, metadata, which wouldn't be live yet. So we had to do it all at once. So we're actually there managing the CEO's LinkedIn page, LinkedIn personal profile, and of course, an article that they're putting out, the CEO is putting out. So marketing is controlling all of this. And so this is all just a big lead up to then finding out the general process. The general process for the CEO is that it's all managed by marketing, their personal LinkedIn profile. And so when this announcement went out, it's not just sharing things, but there's also responses and they were getting a lot of direct messages, DMs coming, all being answered by the marketing team, right? Of which I'm part, a third party, right? An agency. To... So here's the setup. Like, here's the question. How often does this happen? And it turns out, well, what we're finding with our clients is quite often the leaders of the companies, then, well, they do actually access their social profiles, LinkedIn from time to time. But most of the time, it's being handled by marketing. And here's the further thing. Often it's being handled by the most junior people in marketing because it's like a, it's like a, what are they, like a $5 task, as I'd say. So here's my kind of scenario. I wonder how much of this engagement that's happening on social, especially LinkedIn and that, is actually just a bunch of interns managing all the profiles of their bosses, engaging with each other and and the question is, like the leaders of the company, why aren't they doing that? And so, well, they've actually got high impact things to do, much more efficient uh, use of their time than actually mucking around on social. So that's kind of just my thought that I'm thinking through, especially when it comes to the fortune that we're paying on paid ads for many of our clients, especially on LinkedIn, 
And then, especially when they get no results, it's all kind of falling together. Like if it's only a bunch of interns, like LinkedIn is just a bunch of interns engaging for their bosses. They're not filling in forms and responding to ads in the way that they're targeted. Boss um, might. So just something to be aware of in your paid advertising spend and thinking through that. Test and measure, of course, as we say. But really, I was trying to think, and I don't have an answer for this. I was like, how do we actually test for this? Or how do we write ads to target those people, yet be aware that it's probably not those people that are actually there, but it's actually their staff or interns underneath. So maybe there needs to be an upsell, which is you need this for your boss, who, wink, wink, we know is you. (laughs) Download this and give it to your boss and look like a star. Because we know you're managing the boss's account anyway. Correct. Anyway, that's just my bit of a rambling thought of the week, but just something that I'm considering. And it's all about getting ROI, right? How do yep. we get the best ROI and just to be mindful of? Absolutely. All right, Craig, on to our integration of the week. And this week we're going to talk about having SMS in HubSpot. And this is one of uh, someone we know, Samantha from Inbound Add-ons. Yes, and hello, Samantha, if you're uh, listening. Big supporter in the past, so yeah. We haven't That's caught right. up for a while. Was she at Grow with Inbound? Yes, she was. Did you catch up with her? Yes, I did. Oh, good. I missed her. Sam, sorry I missed you. Would have been good to catch up. Yes, yeah, so this integrates into HubSpot. You can trigger the SMS off a workflow. It goes against the contact record. And let's say, I think it's $47 USD a month. It's very reasonable. Plus your uh, Plus cost. actual message sends, yeah. Yeah, so I think definitely if you're looking for a solution that can do SMS, this is a really good one that you can actually implement. All right, Craig, on to our resource of the week. Nice blog post by Carl Sakis, who we saw at Inbound a couple of years ago. He was really good. He does um, coaching for agencies predominantly, but this post could apply to anyone. It's It's an excellent post. So, yeah, what's the post about? It's about how do you phrase things appropriately when you speak to customers or prospective customers. And one of the things I really picked up from there was – He's mentioned it's like instead of talking to them, you kind of say our customers would typically do this or our customers typically would use this service to solve this problem, which kind of gives it a different kind of feel to how we would naturally speak. I think that's really good. So when they say, oh, so how much um, should we spend? Instead of saying, oh, we think you should spend it's Well, clients typically spend X amount to get X result. And it's a really nice way of positioning it. Yes. Without um, being too kind of um, direct to them. I think it's a really good idea. So, as I said, this post, he writes for agencies, but for any service company, marketing managers, have a read. Some really good ideas there. Yeah, it is a fantastic post. And also a way to protect yourself from agencies that try and use these tips. To, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is from Derek Sivers, is it? Yeah, he's written this nice little book. He started a website called CD Baby back late 90s, 99, I think, just before the tech, uh, the dot-com boom. And this is a little book of advice. It's really short. Just read it in one afternoon uh, where he gives a whole bunch of, I guess, his thoughts on growing a business. And in particular, one overriding theme was the quote that you've picked out. That's right. It says, never forget that absolutely everything you do is for your customers. Make every decision, even the decisions about whether you to expand the business, raise money or promote someone according to what's best for your customers. I need not say anything more, Craig. Well, listeners, we would love you to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
Spotify or wherever you listen to this as this helps us reach people. It can be as simple as clicking those stars on the app. They could actually um, uh, give us a comment on the socials as well. Couldn't That's they? right. And we'd love you to connect with us. Please hit us up on Instagram, Facebook. We would love to hear from you. And uh, if you've got any questions, we would love to have the questions so we can actually help you and help others in the community solve those issues. Well, Craig, I hope you have a lovely week. And our listeners, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.